cry. The gentlemen are coming by, looking in windows, knocking on doors. They need to take seven and they might take yours. Can't call to mom, can't say a word. You're gonna die screaming, but you won't be hurt. Hush, a special buffet. Also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me, this is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy's Vampire Slayer where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago. And this week's episode is Season 4, Episode 10, Hush and BB. So we talk about plot, we talk about characters, we're talking about communication and scary monsters. So spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, after it, the comments and possibly even other shows and movies. Come on, everyone! Let's get on our broomsticks and fly around on our broomsticks! Best burn of all time of ever. The best lines I've ever, <laughs> ever fucking heard. And now I can't use it. Great, so it goes that. I mean, I could not say something about it. There's only so much dialogue in the episode to begin with. When I heard that, I was, that, like, oh, I was like, what? Why would you let that into the show? I guess we're just supposed to be is that a joke? how ridiculous or, oh, okay. she is. Right? I don't like, know. I think that they like forgot that they said spells. broomsticks and said it What twice. an idiot. And she like, why don't we just like get around on our broomsticks? Like ride around on our broomsticks. Ride around on our broomsticks. That's how stupid you sound right now. <laughs> Incredible. Uh welcome back everyone. Feel like it's been eight hundred years, Stacia. Say hello. Hello. Daniel, say hello. I make a pretty empowering lemon bun. I bet you do. Uh, those are the voices of my co host. Who is me? I am Kelly. And it is lovely to be back doing this. Uh, to talk about Hush, season four, episode ten, possibly one of the best. No, not possibly. Definitely one of the best episodes of the whole freaking series. Oh, and it originally aired all the way back on December fourteenth, nineteen ninety nine. Written and directed by Joss Whedon. This is the twelfth that's written and directed by him of the series. Now he wrote the majority of season one, and as like the master overseer of the whole series he kind of has his hands in every script anyway like he gets the final say on stuff so he's always around but straight up writing and directing credit solely goes to him on this episode uh the last one he did was the freshman that was written and directed the next one will be who are you so that's the second of the two-part faith episode this season what happened in this episode we're having some inner turmoil with our friends like it's it's we're just knocking our point across to each other we're having some little mix-ups and then unfortunately some creepy floaty monsters come to town and steal everybody's voices for real. So we can't even talk to each other. And these guys make everybody silent so they can go ahead and cut the hearts out of the townspeople of Sunnydale. They came mysteriously. We don't know why. We don't know what they want except for hearts. And then we know how to get rid of them. Hopefully, luckily, because Giles... Wow, I'm having a hard time with the plot. Someone else do the plot. Stacia, what happened in this episode? <laughs> This is unprecedented. I know. Buffy has a weird prophetic dream with a creepy child, and everyone loses their voice. Fairy tale monsters come to town, people lose their hearts, and then Riley smashes the wrong thing, and then the right thing, Buffy screams, and everyone lives happily ever after. Oh, thank you, God. Except for those people that had their hearts taken, oh. those people are just dead. It's horrible. Their wow. families are going to be like, what the fuck? Laryngitis? Like, what's happening? It's a hoax. It's a town white hoax. Nah, town white hoax, fake news. Jesus Christ. I know. I mean, unbelievable. Thank you for that. I'm struggling. It's like this episode has taken my voice away from me. So there are some firsts in this episode, though. Most important first of the series, Tara shows up. Uh, <laughs> she yeah. 
Ever Benson is in our lives and hearts forever. Well, not forever, but I like that they say her by name too. And they're just like, oh, oh, let Tara have the floor. Tara. It's important that we know who she is. Her name is Tara. I love that group of women. I will not suffer <laughs> any hate towards them. They're the best. The best. She is Legends. sitting on the goddamn floor. Floor. Oh yeah. Uh, they have such contempt for her. I know. It's so sad. It is really sad. At least I forgot there's that she... one other person sitting on the floor. Oh yeah, there's there. Yeah, totally. That other loser. This one's like no, on like some kind of a bench, yeah, maybe like on this table. little like a uh, footrest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like the little table over there. Yeah. Very sad. Also, I remember she had like a little stutter thing. Yeah, she said that's throughout that's the whole series. Throughout the whole series. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just thought because they were like, nah, shy. let's stop that. No, no, she does. It's not as pronounced as it is in this mm. episode, but it definitely. Mm, so her. good to see her. Jesus Christ. Uh, well, I'm glad that you feel that way. I also feel that way. First Buffy Riley kiss. Everybody's I kind of thought that they already kissed. I forgot that. that they were so concerned about kissing. Mm-hmm. I thought they already did. Well, because we made a point at least three times, I think, including this episode, where they almost, but then they bumble their this way This episode was through. a constant of that bullshit. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Yes. God, it's hard So there's a point where everybody loses their voices and a guy's holding up. This is just other fun facts as I tend to just go into. We're going into them now. There's a little uh, plaque that someone's holding when everybody loses their voice that the preacher, it's got this little like flock gathered. It says Revelations 15.1 okay. on it. Do you know what that is? My I, Bible historian? I'm not a Bible historian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then I saw another portent in heaven, great and wonderful, seven angels with seven plagues, hey. which are the last, for with them the wrath of God has ended. So, gentlemen are after seven hearts. Um, I guess that's relevant to that. Like, the gentlemen take the seven hearts and then the wrath of God is over? Is One of the hardest bands I've ever heard in my life is there the seven angels, seven plagues, and now I never okay. didn't know that. Did you know that this is Allison Hannigan's favorite episode? <laughs> That's not a shocker. Yep. She's done some fun ones. This That's is true. weird. Why? Like her favorite, just like conceptually, or her favorite to do? I got Allison Hannigan's favorite uh, episode. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't do a whole lot. I mean, does she? I forget what. Well, what Joss does she Whedon do? Will, uh, said, "Let me just go ahead and throw this out there now." Uh, Joss Whedon did a commentary for this episode on the season four disc, whatever. It's really, really good and insightful. I think that you should listen to all the commentaries of the the opportunity to do so but his particularly since he wrote and directed it and is the creator of the show he just has so much to say on such a wide swath of what goes into making an episode of tv an episode of buffy specifically whereas like michael gershman was really enlightening because he did so much of the technical stuff like he right. sat, spot out so and it's doug petrie the writing like he talked a lot about that but joss Whedon can speak broadly about the whole show from like concept to production to characters and actors and just like every little bit about it so it's really really worth listening to if you have 45 minutes to do so anyway joss whedon said about allison hannigan that she has her really big eyes and she's really expressive and she just she's like funny. is such a compelling fun character to watch that he was like i think she could have been a great silent movie star just based on this oh. thing and i i have to i mean i think everyone did a stellar job but she's you know yeah her holding the high gile sign like every oh, every little thing she funny. does is just really good so maybe it's that that she got a chance to mm-hmm. do Something like that, and the concept for the episode too, just like a cool idea. Did did he speak at all about like was it actually silent on the set or did they like cut off? Because they're they're obviously miming it. I'm sure they're doing the best that they can. But are they? They seem to be putting a lot of like I could I don't I don't know. It just seemed really crazy that they were fake screaming. So on the Wikipedia page, but you can hear like stuff in the background. Like it's like they're actually in that room right. Right, it's quiet. I was. 
I would think that they're just miming, right? That they're not actually saying anything out loud. The Wikipedia said that they were speaking at volume and they muted after the fact. And I don't think that's right. And I think Joss Whedon even says in the commentary that they had a hard time doing it because no one knew when to do anything because no one was talking. So I think that's incorrect. And I wonder why the Wikipedia says that. I I, I think based on what Joss Whedon said and just the feel of the show because of all those Foley sounds and stuff that seem... Well, you can look at them. They're definitely... They're definitely trying to not actually talk. And there's even a point, right, when they first lose their voices, when Buffy and Willow are talking to each other, she's like, for whatever. Like, yeah. That's really good for podcasts. You can't hear. But you can, you can hear that little bit of sound that I just made, she almost makes. So it's like, I think that that's somebody trying to not I make know. sound, but be expressive, yeah. Whereas versus somebody actually speaking normally. Well, that's why it was cool Like when like Riley had to stop the poison gas that was going to kill him. And he's like, <sighs> right. trying to breathe or something into the machine to like get it to recognize his breath mm-hmm. as a voice mm-hmm. that was pretty cool it's cool that you can still make that kind of noise yeah uh the episode has 17 minutes of dialogue approximately in mm. 44 minutes total um i wanted to read a little thing from the script since joss whedon wrote it most of the any of these stage directions and stuff should all be him theoretically but this is a description uh from the shooting script of tara's room it says internal tara's room her room is wicca and also painted black and depressed E. And I was like, accurate. Um, this is about the clock tower. From up here, we can see the whole town, or possibly much less than all of that. But I can hope. And the collective breath snake all across the town heading here. And I was like, because he really didn't know if he was going to be able to do a lot of the shit that he got away from, or got away with. And then about the gentleman. He's old, bone white, bald. Nosferatu meets Hellraiser by way of Joker. Actually, he kind of looks like Mr. Burns, except he can't stop his rictus grin and his teeth are gleaming metal. That's good. Oh, that is... Very accurate. Yeah. Like it all Mr. Burns, really that's a good... Uh... Oh, and about the, the makeup, initially the special effects, the way that they had it, because Stacia and I have been watching Face Off, so we were basically yeah. special effects makeup uh, professionals. Good, good. Yeah, we, well, we I know nothing about it. So. run the industry now. Oh. So uh, they wow. they had this expression that they use. I'm about to say the word expression 600 times. They, when a mask or something is incapable of moving they say the expression is baked in Mm -hmm. so like initially it was going to be more of a mask where that smile was not something that could be moved it was just like a static face mouthpiece um but joss whedon had him go back and change it so that they can make that so he they're smiling yeah so doug jones was like who was the main tall skinny gentleman we'll talk about but he's like having to smile like that imagine you know sometimes when your mouth hurts you've been smiling too long already Mm -hmm. he's like but to have that crazy intense over exaggerated smile for hours and hours, yeah, I'm sure that was like brutal on them. It really is important though, because and you could see when you're watching it up close, the, yeah, you could tell that they're actually smiling, like the mm-hmm. way that the mask is fitting on them, it leaves open. You know, it's not just a plastered on which smile. is it's fucking cool, so much more impactful and yeah. super important. I think it would not be as scary a character if no. they hadn't gone the direction. No, uh, this ironically is the only episode of the series nominated nominated for an outstanding, uh, what is it called, outstanding writing Emmy. For a drama series. Amazing. It was also nominated for Outstanding Cinematography for a single... Wow. Outstanding Cinematography for a Single Camera Series, uh, which I think another one had been nominated. That's Michael Gershman. He's the principal cinematographer who was also the director that did the uh, DVD commentary for that episode that isn't Enemies. Consequences. Consequences. Yeah. Um, So I think that's pretty great that the episode that has the least amount of dialogue but that's not to say that there's not a lot of writing there's a yeah. whole lot going on a, a lot, lot of stuff going on so a lot of communication going on didn't win they lost to the west wing but a lot of communication going on a lot of a lot of communication i'm sorry daniel i can't hear you i'm busy 
uh, failing at communicating. Speaking of communicating. <laughs> uh, so I, Joss Whedon says in the commentary that this episode, the theme of it is obviously communication. And Daniel pointed out earlier that Maggie Walsh, her opening spiel in the, the dream sequence is actually lays out the whole episode. It's all about communication, right? She goes on and say, like, not the, the word, but the thought before the word. All, none of that matters. Not the idea, but the moment before the idea when it's total. There you go. Whatever. It blossoms in your mind and connects to everything. It's about the thoughts and experiences that we don't have words for. So this is what it is. Talking about communication. Talking about language. Not the same thing. It's about inspiration. Not the idea, but the moment before the idea when it's total. When it blossoms in your mind and connects to everything. It's about the thoughts and experiences that we don't have a word for. A demonstration. But the point is... With Joss, I think, you know, he said it best himself when he said, it's about six strangers in a house who stop being polite and start getting real. No, he said, when people stop talking, they start communicating. Language can interfere with communication because language limits. As soon as you say something, you've eliminated every other possibility of what you might be talking about. We also use language to separate ourselves from other people. He goes on to say, like, the way that people misuse language and you're like, you're essentially, once it's out there in the world, whatever you've said, you can't really take it back while you can maybe correct or, or renege after the fact it's been there. And now the whole moment's going to change based on what you said. And I think that that's really prescient now more than ever when we have things like, you know, cancel culture or like all these things where it's, you are being held accountable to your word from everything's written down. Everything's everywhere all the time. So well, thankfully for, we're not recording. Yeah, I know. This. Exactly. I mean, this would be I won't have to own up to this ever again in my entire life. So huge mistake if we were recording this for better or worse, communication can lift and destroy. So let's talk about our, our characters and, and communication in this episode. Cause we start off where we can talk normally as we like do a normal in, in Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> That's only specific to Buffy. No one talks outside of Buffy. So no. about this, you know, um, Anya and Xander, they don't know where they stand, right? They, uh, Anya is just like every other annoying woman out there in the world. She doesn't understand why her boyfriend doesn't like her and isn't expressing themselves in the way. God, women are the worst. Um, and you don't remember when he makes that terrible joke of, wow, they really did turn yeah. you into a real girl, didn't they? No, I don't remember that. Yeah. Before they were walking. When we out. first see them, they're going to Giles's house and they're having a fight on the way into the yeah. door. And she's like, I think the first thing Xander says is, um, how could you think I'm using you? And she's like, we don't talk. You don't care about my life at all. You just care about lots of orgasms. And then he's like, yo, you, they really did turn you into real girl, didn't they? And he, she's like, what do I mean to you? And he's like, well, you know, stuff. And then just kind of trails off and walks into Giles' house. Um, Buffy and Riley can't express themselves because they have superhero identities that they're not allowed to share with each other. Uh, Willow is feeling... Kind of alone still trying to find her place a little bit as far as like oh i don't have my boyfriend I, I want something more i really want to explore this wicca stuff so i'm going to try to go to this group and is immediately turned off by all the one and blessed bees because they're not real g's like she is and uh i th- think that's oh we got giles and olivia too giles right giles and olivia yeah. she she's not in for it she's not she's up not for the down. monster slaying lifestyle she had the calmest expression when the fucking a gentleman strolled she, like <laughs> floated by just no big deal doesn't matter i'm not going to immediately sketch Run. that and like get him <laughs> to wake up and like make a she just like stayed up and sketched all night and was like hey this, mm-hmm. this fucking scary guy floated by my, <laughs> i had no no thoughts or feelings on it 
Doesn't matter. Well, she can't talk. Wake them up. You can still wake people up. This <laughs> How is, do you mind? This is my biggest it? problem. This is one of my biggest problems with this episode. Thinking about it is that if this happened to us, like really happened, if we could not talk right now, I think there would be more noise in the world, not less. We would, we, everyone would be carrying around pots and pans. Mm. Everyone would have an air horn. I swear to God, everyone would have <laughs> things to make noise with. Probably. Almost like chaotic. It would just be chaos, complete chaos. So I think it would be actually crazier than what it is right now. Like we we long for silence after all the general noise of the day. But I think if this world, these people that just like, we can't talk to one another. Instead of huddling around for safety because this is fucked up and this shouldn't be real. Everyone's like, oh, I'm just going to go back to my dorm room and go to sleep. I guess I'll just watch TV. <laughs> you know, just tuck in, have some warm milk and go to sleep. You know, call it a day. Got a long day tomorrow. Classes that surely they aren't canceled. It was like everyone just lived their normal lives. Even Anya wasn't with wasn't with Xander and Spike. Where the fuck did Anya go? Where does Anya go when she's not with Xander? I mean, that's what is her life for the ages, honestly. And that's why, like, some of that's kind of funny because you're like, I get what they're trying to do to, to Anya and Xander, but Anya is nothing but Xander, as far as we know. Like, she literally just walked into the show and was like, "That's my man. That's <laughs> it." <laughs> And I have really nothing else to say except I can fill in some more stuff and like I'm really, really funny and I'm going to become a real character soon. But like, I, I, I don't know. It's just, where did she go? Yeah. Why weren't you with Spike and your, your boy? Your boy who could have been eaten by Spike, right? Oh, you mean when they cut to him in the basement after yeah. he's tied Spike to the when chair? When he ties Spike to the chair and he gets in bed. It's like, where, Anya was just like, nah, I'm I'm just going to sleep in my own apartment tonight. Well, yeah. She apparently, I'm staying in a motel down the road. I think Faith we talked about it before. Like, we all like to believe that Anya has a castle somewhere nearby <laughs> where she just retreats to with all her fabulous things she's accumulated over a thousand years. I guess, but it's That's just... That's my dream, at least. She basically is glory before glory. That's what I would hope. That's why I just think the message board thing is very funny, that it's like $10 for a message board. Everybody has that. I, I, I just think people would be fucking honking horns in people's faces all day. That's what I feel like. It would just be constantly. <laughs> yeah. And I think we'd be so used to being like, read my lips. Like that only happened with like Riley and fucking Buffy. Where they're like, are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, was... I can't think of any other time where they're like legitimately trying to read each other's lips. Well, when they first wake up, yeah. Buffy and, and Willow do at the dorm. But most of that's just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you, know, you, don't really, you don't really have to tell what they're saying. That is true. It's more facial expression, right? It's like yeah. neutral face. But I'm you just can, gonna read you your can lips. read their lips, actually, which is impressive. I feel like the actors uh, throughout this whole episode did a really good job of like enunciating and making their mouth shapes really large and obvious so that you could read their lips easily. Even which I think know. we would also do if we couldn't talk. We would, be, have to find we would a way. overly mime. Pretend. I mean, that's that's great. It's it's called it's acting. 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 So when we stop talking and start communicating, oh when we start getting real, obviously everything turns on its head. Okay, so now we don't have the the barrier of language that, as Joss Whedon puts it, like hems you in and can separate you because you can say the wrong things easily or misinterpret things. Now we just have our actions to go on, right? So throughout the course of the silence bit of the episode, for just our relationship's sake. Uh, Xander and Anya. Anya realizes Xander does care because she Xander comes into a scene thinking that Spike has bit Anya in vampire mode and it beats the shit out of Spike to be like, ah, how dare you do that to my, my lady? And therefore all their stuff is patched up. Um, Olivia and well, we don't get theirs until they can talk again. Actually, nothing really happens while Olivia and Giles. No, no, it's silent, silent, I mean, she she's like, sketch. I don't want to do this. Well, yeah, but when she can talk again, but when they're silent. Yeah. Well, yeah, she makes a choice. Anyway. 
Um, Buffy and Riley actually make out, right? Like, they actually embrace each other. They see each other in the street at first, and they're like, uh, Riley's breaking up a fight because he's cool-headed. I'm a security guy. And then Buffy... See, I, oh yeah, she breaks the guy's arm because right. Well, Riley's not paying attention because like, why were fight. they fighting? Like, why is there fire? Because what you do there? when you're that you can't talk, you just start fighting each other silently in the street. Riot, yeah, exactly. silently <laughs> riot with <laughs> one man, yeah. one fight exactly. over what? What could you possibly after one day be fighting about? But now that they have the burden of their rambling removed, they can just kiss and understand. Oh, and yeah. then later they, boom. Secret revealed. They're both superheroes when they're fighting the clock tower with the gentleman. I was not expecting that part. I really enjoyed that. That was was pretty good. So that obviously blows their uh, huge dynamic, like changes their relationship Mm -hmm. completely because of the great ending. We need to talk. Yeah. And then they're silent. Yeah. And Willow and Tara get to, I mean, (sighs) cannot overstate the power of lesbian handholding. Like the, everything about (laughs) (laughs) them being together is, is amazing. Like they, you know, silently are able to deduce, Oh, we, like you, you have power too. Like because Willow's struggling to move the machine and t- grabs her hand and like you know it's a beautiful <laughs> uh, sentiment about that we're stronger together than apart. Thanks, Joss Whedon. Um, so that's a huge. Willow discovers that the Wicca group wasn't for naught. That there yeah. is something there, and that she meets somebody that oh shit, I can under somebody I understands me, and they didn't have to say a single word to get that. So that was pretty cool. So, Can't wait to practice my magic on her. <laughs> no. No, no, no. We're still living in the bubble where everything mm, is fine. Good, good. The most important thing is the Gaia newsletter. We need to get the message of blessing out to the sisters. Also, who left their scented candles dripping all over my woman power shrine? So another thing that happens when we can't actually speak is Giles loses a key ability or a key function of his character in the episode because he's exposition guy, right? He's always the one with the book knowledge and the, the, the demon-y stuff. So he has to find a way to communicate what's going on to the Scoobies, but without using any words. So we get this amazing projector scene montage thing. So we get an amazing scene with Giles explaining like what's going on with the fairy tale monsters uh, and like all the in gore. His book, fairy yeah. And his fairytale book and drawing all the blood in the hearts. Um, I have a question about this scene. And that is, why would you gesture as if you were like intensely masturbating for a steak? Because that's, that's usually funny. A, as that's funny. I know. But as Giles has pointed out before, it's plunge and move on. Plunge. And, hello. Giles' plunge, plunge, face plunge. when he sees it is just the absolute <laughs> greatest. The best like, expressions. It's so time. good. <laughs> Fantastic. And we also obviously get Xander with the boobies. So just, funny. It was a funny scene is what it is. It's just it's just crass humor from Joss Whedon. Expect nothing less. What a crass man. What a crass man. No, it's funny. I mean, I don't know. Again, see? No standards. I mean, any self-respecting demon should be living in a pit of filth or a nice crypt. I'll remember to mention that. It's hard. It's just such a like iconic scene in this episode. During this scene is Love the Anya only... Just eating popcorn. <laughs> she's like, having a good time why the fuck else is she here we're in basically a theater rolling Someone's the helicopter like let's go I love that shit that's so good or turn it around. around but no rolling the helicopter I mean, <laughs> it's even better mm-hmm. during this scene the only piece of music that Christophe Beck did not score for the episode is played it's the dance macabre by Camille St. Saints I think it's how you say that which the dance macabre is a late middle ages artistic genre of allegory I don't know what that means but it's supposed to it's like I guess like um a theme throughout artistic work during that period that no matter one station in life the dance macabre unites us all so in death unites us all oh. which is so nice it sounds like a joy division song 
You guys kind of sound like that. Yeah. But because there is no speaking in this episode, there's, well, not no, but mostly no speaking, the music really does a lot of the work. So Yeah, the when music you was awesome. Don't have that dialogue, it's a really big thing to be able to rely on because even, even in scenes with dialogue, music can completely heighten or deflate a scene intentionally or otherwise. Uh, Christophe Beck said about Joss Whedon and Buffy as a whole that they really understood the importance of music, not necessarily in this episode, but just generally, and that this obviously was the biggest thing for him to tackle. And usually the way that the production goes is he has only a week to do the music, so he was, apparently Joss Whedon let him know that, okay, at some point this season, kind of early, I'm going to have you do a huge fucking project, so kind of get ready for that, but he still only had about a week to throw it together. Wow. And it's just him. Um, He composes basically everything on a synthesizer in his own studio, a doesn't have anybody helping, which I didn't realize because it all sounds really organic, all the instruments and stuff. So apparently he has like woodwind players come in mm. and make some of those sounds so that it does sound more organic. But otherwise, it's him doing all the composing on Incredible. this software, which is really cool. Uh, but along with the music, there's other sounds that happen too, which, again, when you stop talking and start getting real, <laughs> you can you can actually hear super well. Things bottle that, dropping, the noise from the car. Absolutely. The bottle dropping, or him dropping the glass or whatever, was just weird. He was just like standing there and just mm-hmm. just dropped it. But it was really, what a harrowing. Everybody was like, everyone's so shaken in that scene. God. What, what was that, Willow or Tara? Or it was Tara, the, yeah. So she's yeah, going she's down like, to like the quad. Yeah, she's like, this guy. I'm getting out of here. I'm it just, was bizarre that it would happen, right? Yeah. Like, why would you just suddenly drop? I mean, I dropped it all the time, so I guess that could happen. But yeah, the impact that the sound made, it really... Mm-hmm. Uh, emphasized the lack of sound everywhere else. Well, uh, Xander, whenever he did the snapping, snap mm-hmm. was effective. I mean, you just hear snapping all the time. There's be people snapping twenty four seven. TV news was great. That was a nice little break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of those little breaks in the whole silence, which was nice too, because it would be weird to be silent for ever. News item from Sunnydale, California. Apparently, the entire town has been quarantined due to an epidemic of, as strange as this may sound, laryngitis. It seems the town has been rendered unable to speak. There's no word yet what might have caused this or what other effects might be seen from this epidemic. Local authorities have issued a statement, a written statement, I should say, blaming recent flu vaccinations. A few skeptics call it a citywide hoax. In the meanwhile, Sunnydale has effectively shut down. All schools and businesses will be closed for the time being, and residents are advised to stay home and rest up. The Centers for Disease Control have ordered the entire town quarantined. No one can go in or out. Until the syndrome is identified or the symptoms disappear. We'll bring you more on that as it develops. Joss Whedon was like, said he was terrified to do this episode because, like, what do you fill it with if there's no sound? People are, no doubt, like, people are going to get bored. Like, part of the reason he even did this to begin with was because he was, I mean, according to James Marsters, but also it's true, he was tired of people being like, oh, the, the, the writing, the writing, the reason why your show is so good is because the dialogue's so good. And so it's like, well, fuck you. I will make an episode with... How dare you uh, say that we're really we're good. We're good. I don't appreciate that. You think that I can only do one thing? How dare I bet you? that's a little overstated. It's... He... The way he tells it is I'm that... Sure you're just like, I just wanted to try it, man. Yeah. It's he said that he felt idea, like he was stagnating as a director. Like, he kept doing the same things over and over again. He would do an over-the-shoulder shot and a two-shot. So a two-shot is like when you have two yeah. people on the screen talking. And right. then the over-shoulder is when you pant. You know, now I'm at Buffy's perspective. Now I'm at Willis' perspective. And now we have the two-shot of both of them in the scene. Right. He's like, that's how it felt like. Just cut and paste. And that's why TV gets slammed a lot because they're hemmed into doing those things. And he had a lot of cool notes about production. But so Joss really thought this episode had an opportunity to be super boring. He was even going to have Buffy and Riley have sex in it so he could fill three minutes of time, his words. And oh. I'm really glad he didn't do that. He said it would be disingenuous to where they were at in their, their relationship, which is true. But also, like, 
we, we did not we didn't did i that? love three minutes of time like i love like just what that would be like the, just thinking of the parker stuff like mm-hmm. the slow awkward <laughs> kissing montage some montage of nothing i live here so i'm glad <clears throat> we didn't get that but the other thing that makes this episode work i mean there's a lot of things that make this episode work but we didn't need a buffy riley sex scene because we have the best villains possibly ever on the yeah, show the, the gentleman best by far yeah. um i mean joss himself said that this is probably one of the scariest uh things he's ever shot specifically the scene of the gentleman coming by the window with olivia uh as oh, one being the most that was so frightening good. things he's ever seen so or ever filmed so the idea of these guys came from a nightmare that Joss Whedon had, apparently a recurring nightmare as a Fuck kid, that. where he would wake up and there'd be a man floating at the end of his bed, you know, and he couldn't move. Mm. So it's like, yeah, that's terrifying. Can't even chat, can't even cry, the gentlemen are coming by. I mean, it sounds vaguely familiar. You sure it's nothing you heard when you were a child? No, all right. Nothing else. Well, it, it could um, definitely be... One of your prophetic dreams, well, it could just be the eternal mystery that is your brain. Look, I'll check it out and um, I'll let you know if I find something. And I wanted to shout out the actual actors that brought these guys to life because they are superb. And like I mentioned, having to do that smiling and just their their machinations is just incredible. So the tall, skinny one is Doug Jones, who is an incredibly famous character actor. He did the fawn in pan's labyrinth he's also ape sapien in hellboy amongst a, a ton of other special effects if you need a tall skinny fucker to do be in makeup for 800 hours you call doug jones oh he's also the the guy from he does all of guillermo de toro's stuff yeah, okay. so he's the fish monster that the girl has yeah. sex with in oh Shape really of Water. yeah still around he's yeah. still kicking yeah, okay still doing good stuff um, the other main guy, the shorter gentleman that when you see Doug Jones, you yeah. usually see the, the one other guy. Right. Uh, that's Camden Toy, who also plays Gnarl in season seven and the Turok Han in season seven. So he collaborates on Buffy a couple other okay. times. Uh, Don Lewis and Charlie Brumley are the other guys. I couldn't find the names of the footmen, but also props to them because I'm sure that was hard to be hunched over. Oh, God, yeah. Throwing themselves away. Um, the main makeup effects. So the Optic Nerve is the special effects team that worked on Buffy for well, basically the whole show up until Hell's Bells. And the head special effects designer on that is John Volick. He actually died in 2016, but he's there the whole time and he's the one that masterminded mm. these things. He brought these characters would not be so iconic if it wasn't for the work of those guys. So. Yeah. Uh, mad props to them and these characters were so scary to even the cast and crew that like Amber Benson says she felt so bad for them because nobody wanted to eat with them but also like she was really they super scared of them. so I would be like how, how are you eating sir <laughs> uh, apparently Mark Lucas was the only one that would talk to them while they were in makeup because everyone else was really scared and Anthony Stewart had said that he wouldn't let his kids watch this episode oh wow well, they oh, were like well, seven and nine at the time. Horrified. But, yeah. I mean, it's just ever their entire mannerisms, everything that they do, and just the way they look at like Tara, especially when she's running away, and they just like look at each other and nod. And they're just like, "Let's go, let's go get her." It's like, "Ooh, you guys are fucking scary." I mean, but these three scary. This guy looks oh, like I, a, the cousin of the mutant ninja turtles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he does kind of look like a ninja turtle. Yeah, those two on the end, I'm not like super sold on. But like, I just how big his smile is mm-hmm. it just makes you think there are fuckers out there probably with bigger smiles they're fucking scared <laughs> yeah but we don't know anything about them we don't right that we don't know anything about them they're they are f- like strictly fairy tales or not from another world they're not like like when they blow up comically for whatever reason the heads explode 
that's it? Are they the only ones? Are they just nightmare entities that no can feel? We just don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I'm the first one down up the fact that I slag the show all the time for not having lore or like following up on anything or making a, so an effort to have the creators. Right? I just didn't need it. When you shit's so good, it's like I don't question for a second. Any other episode where Giles pulls out a fairy tale book, I would be up in arms about. And I just didn't care. I was like, this is fine. Let it be. We went to trivia for Buffy trivia. And this was one of our things. And uh, the guy, when he was playing the video, he was like, look, you could see the box or whatever. And and we were like, practical effects, man. I would much rather, this would not be scary if it wasn't practical Mm -hmm. effects. I don't give a fuck that they're on boxes. I don't give a fuck if they're on wires. Mm -hmm. I don't care. It's creepy as shit how they're moving about. And if they did it in real life, then that is even better. Because that means you can go out there and make scary stuff that doesn't have to be fucking CG fucking CG which is never scary ever Mm -hmm. have you seen the CG in the show have you seen the snakes that they make (laughs) like if they tried to make this like today you could make a pretty good thing you could probably do cooler stuff with them maybe but you would also like go over the top you'd be like oh they have lizard teeth as well they have lizard tongues they're just gonna like eat a person whole or something like some crazy shit that you just can do with computers but the fact that they just don't do anything is fucking awesome yeah the so just to make a mention of how they actually did it, but I never noticed the box and the yeah, like F that guy. Also, we won trivia. Just wanted to say. Anyway, uh, so there's two ways that they make the gentleman float. In the scenes where it's kind of more close quarters and you only see them from the torso up, they're on dollies, like pushed by somebody far back, so that they're basically just rolling them on a on a dolly. And then for the big scene where you can see their feet, like especially the one where they're going down mm. the main street uh, towards the clock tower, away from the clock tower. They're actually on a giant crane uh-huh. rig being suspended, and they went back in after the fact to uh, delete the, the wires, basically, out of the yeah. scene. But, I mean, what a tremendous effort. Joss Whedon said that the hardest shot to shoot was the heads exploding and uh, the hallway scene in the dorm when they go to kill the kid, like, when they oh, yeah. start out. Because you're in such close quarters there, and you're still trying to get off that floating effect and everything. That was like, fucking horrifying. It'd be really, like, really hard to do. I felt for that kid. Like trying to yeah. scream and he couldn't scream and yeah. they're just so happy. They're yeah. just so fucking <laughs> happy. <laughs> it's so upsetting. Yeah. And he fucking died. Like he pulled out that <laughs> knife and it's just like <laughs> and you like heard it or whatever. It's like, ooh, Buffy. Yeah. And fucking show. just for Monster of the Week points, they are the they stabbed Buffy. He straight up stabs her with a fucking scalpel in the clock tower. Like, not a whole lot of people get shots off on Buffy like that. You got to go for the heart, her. man. You well, can't yeah. be hitting people's shoulders. He's too and fancy. Shit. He just. <laughs> What is O'Reilly's gun? Like, zap, zap, zap. Oh, it doesn't work anymore. What the fuck? Why can't that be more charged up? Yeah, they. The gentlemen are supremely creepy apparently they're supposed to be like victorian-esque i guess just with the suits and stuff and then they're i guess buffy essay writers have gone on now this is also a class statement because they're the elite and they have their footmen and who do the dirty work and they're above mm. it literally and figuratively and like up in the clock tower of this place and town that, that we've, we've never, never seen, seen before and, and never, never seen again because <laughs> this is actually the universal back lot which they don't shoot on which is where uh, Desperate Housewives are filmed so there's actually a couple of houses that you can see Incredible. when they're going through the neighborhoods that are part of yeah. Mysteria Lane um, and this clock tower is not a real clock tower it's a house that they just fabricated the stuff for it and it's actually shot two different locations like this exterior with the clock tower part that you can see on the street is a different house than the actual other house they turned yeah. into the internal like clock mechanicians where they're fighting the Makes sense. The the gentleman, it's a it's a really a feat, and this there's a reason why this these monsters 
stand out to people like people that are passive Buffy fans even that may have seen the show once and they're like oh yeah I remember those one guys that could float you'll never forget the face yeah. and the just the, the way his hands are yeah. Josh said that as soon as Doug Jones he was like you know kind of like Nosferatu as soon as like he curled his hand up and like moved it a little bit it's like oh my god that's it I'm so I hate it it's just like that's great he said that his making fun of mimes went down 40% because Doug Jones and uh, <laughs> toy Kim toy were were mimes were classically nice. trained mimes so wow very cool. I didn't even know that. It was really I didn't big. know you could be classically trained, but, but I guess apparently. it is quite hard. So a big Incredible. way that we express and uh, the big way the show expresses the terror of the gentleman and the way that we empathize and feel it is through primarily two characters, and that's Tara and Olivia. Because the Scoobies are kind of hardened by now, right? We're seasoned monster fighters. We don't know what the gentlemen are, but we're going to kill it. I mean, Xander, in the scene with the slide projector, he's like, how do we kill them? Like, yeah, that, that's great. Cool story, Giles. Love the slides. Yeah. Uh, oh, and apparently the big hips mine yes, that Sarah yes. Taylor does. She pitched that. Like, that my hips look super wide in that. Can I like make a joke about it in the scene? So they did. Which I thought that was cute that she wrote that. Anyway, uh, we can kill them. How do we kill them? We'll kill them. It's Tara has no experience with this shit. All she knows is some creepies with rattling chains. That's another great Foley sound when you see Tara and the, the gentlemen are blurred behind her and then you just hear the rattling of the chains mm-hmm. from the, that's really cool. Um, we get to be afraid because she's expendable and so is Olivia. Joss Whedon's words. We probably don't, yeah, we don't know. They could just die tonight. Right, they could why be two they? people that are getting their hearts taken. Yeah, oh, exactly. Shit. So the stakes are there for them. I mean, we know now because yeah, on a rewatch you don't feel the same. Right, way. Exactly. you just are like, why aren't, you, why can't you stand up? <laughs> <laughs> why do you keep falling over comically? <laughs> she has terrible balance. Does is that a thing? Does she fall over all no, the time? No, oh. they're just for this episode. We oh, need her to fall down because I think Josh really did want to channel a scary movie, and yeah. like he was like, as much as I hate when they do this in movies, they have the girl fall down while she's running away. Yeah. So we I kind of needed to do it. <laughs> And it worked out. It was scary. and Yeah. And Olivia, the same thing. I mean, she, we see her be scared at the window and, and no one else really gets that opportunity. And so scared, in fact, that, you know, that she leaves. And we never, Where was never the initiative show. on this whole, this whole thing? You will keep order. I mean, did they though? They weren't even on Riley campus. Riley broke up a fight. But they weren't even on campus, bro. They could have, they could have seen that. They were terrorizing people. This is what I'm saying. There would be horns. Here's a horn. Here are directions. <laughs> if you horns. are in danger, we will come to the horn sound. So don't blow it unless you're a dick. But we are coming when there's danger. The people will be blowing horns left and right. <laughs> like that girl's sleeping in her bed and, she, and she's like, here's a knocking of the Terran slamming up against the door. Like, and she's like, no, I'm just going to go to bed. What kind of world are we living in? Where like, da- like there are dangerous people inside of your dorm room. Like if you can't open your dorm room door to your RA or whatever. What kind of world are we in? Because there will be chaos. You will help keep order. Dress as civilians. A military presence would only increase panic. No, it doesn't matter. I'm, I, I'm, I'm scared because I can't use my voice. So now I've gotten rid of all human decency. I don't want to help. So my parents haven't come in. Anybody from outside? <laughs> like you quarantined? Quarantine? We can't talk, Daniel. It's not worth the risk. The more we talk about it, the more I am <laughs> starting to kind of hate it. Because it makes no sense that no one would come in. Like, it just takes someone flying in. Or what, if someone just flew into Sunnydale International Airport, surely they have one. Or comes in on the boat, <laughs> right? They come in on the boat. They're like, <laughs> oh, I can talk, but we're, no, nobody else can, right? The, his voice wasn't taken. That's a great question. Honestly, one person, one person, one house down. 
Like, right? Like, he didn't just, he just took it from Sunnydale. Well, what about the town right next door? They walk over, they come every day, get on Devro, get in that traffic sure. and fucking go. <laughs> Where are they? Where are they being like, I can talk. Um, why can't you guys talk? I need you to not ask that question. I know. I, I refuse to keep going on this <laughs> line of thinking. What you're saying is that communication is hard. And the gentlemen are supremely scary. And you don't ever learn of them as somebody other than what they are. Like, I mean, Dahoffrin's like kind of Mm -hmm. a really creepy and intricate looking demon. But we also know him. Mm -hmm. He's got a funny, ironic side. And like, he's also a vengeance demon, right? But we don't know anything about them. The gentlemen also don't speak. Which which is great. Also lends itself to the creepy. Because they explode. In the scream in the clock tower, I was like, that's not Sarah Michelle Gellar's voice. It can't be just the way it is. And it's not. Oh, really? It? Apparently, she on the day, she was, like, screaming so they could get the shot. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. It's, it's Maybe it was from the same person who did the the penis thing for Xander. Oh, nothing nothing defeats can defeat the, the penis. Nothing defeats the penis. Be quiet. Sorry. I struggled before trying to do this podcast for this episode because it's so big and there's no way we could really fit everything into it. But if you've watched this episode of television, you know why it's so good. And it's interesting to me that like initially I thought the thing about this episode is that it was silent and that was the feat of it, right? Like that's why it's groundbreaking. And that's not true because this isn't the first show to do a silent episode, right? It's uh, been done since the, the late fifties, actually the very first uh just because I wanted to know, because I was curious. If anybody else is curious, if any other TV shows have done this, they have. Uh, there's a show called 77 Sunset Strip, which was like a black and white TV uh, cop show that they did at the Silent Caper episode back in 1959. So that was the very first time to do it. 77 Sunset Strip. 77 Sunset Strip. 77 Sunset Strip. Starring Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. 77 Sunset Strip and Roger Smith. 77 Sunset Strip. Co-starring Edward Burns. Produced by Warner Brothers. The more famous one was the year after. It was a Twilight Zone episode. How long are you going to keep on with this, this prolonged practical joke? Well, not much longer. Thank you, Frank. You should see our boy down there. Four and a half months, not a sound out of him. It's incredible. That flop won't take it for another month. This I'll guarantee you. And then even uh, really recently, Mr. Robot did an episode that was completely silent. So it's... People think that Joss Whedon got the idea for this. I needed to tell you this because it's important to me. From a show, a sci-fi show that only lasted one season in 1995 called From Space Above and Beyond. There's an episode called Who Watches the Birds. It only had two minutes of dialogue and there's only like five sentences. I looked at the script for it. It was like crazy. This show looks really good and I'm mad that I've never seen it. We thought we were alone. We believed the universe was ours until one night in 2063 on an Earth colony 16 light years away, they struck. And now we're at war. My name is Lieutenant Colonel T.C. McQueen. I'm an in vitro race of artificially gestated humans. I command a Marine Corps squadron. The 58th, they call us the wild cards. 
We fight when called. In space, on land, and at sea. To lose this war means more than defeat. To surrender is to never go home. All of us must rise to the call, above and beyond. I can't confirm that that's what his inspiration was. There was actually an episode of The Prisoner as well, which we've mentioned before, because Doug Petrie was talking about it in an episode commentary that he did, that they loved, for The Initiative, that they loved that show so much, just on the staff. They did a silent episode too, so it might have been from that. I mean, it's not something that people wouldn't think of. Like, we've had silent things, silent movies are our thing. It's like, well, what if we just do a throwback? Like, let's just think of a weird thing, either a space locked door that we took our voices, whoops, mm-hmm. or a fucking demon. We have demons in this world. Great. We'll just have one of them take our voice. All that to say, the reason why this doesn't happen a lot, not only because it's hard to pull off, you have the right actors, right? Like, some people wouldn't be able to do this. You have the right directing and writers to think of all the, the ways that people can mime their way through a situation or how you're expressing the story that you want to tell without words. Uh, Joss talks a lot about in the commentary that how hemmed in people are on TV. And I guess I never really think about that side of it. A lot of shows, the way that they end up being shot and the way the story ends up having to be told is dictated by money and constraints from the production company or the network and all that kind of stuff. He like, so far as he said, he loves to do continuous shots, which obviously the biggest, best example of that is the body. The whole first cold open is, is one long shot and that's beautiful and so impactful and, and really keeps you there. They, he says that people don't do that on TV, not because they, the directors don't want to, but because they end up getting cut for time so much that they have to break up so many scenes and you don't know what's going to get cut. So that can completely destroy the entire effect of your shot. And it just, I don't know, it made me really sad for not just this show, but all shows where it's like, I feel like there's so many creative people and we could get such cool shit out of so many things if we didn't have all these restraints. And it's just like, that was so eye opening for me to hear him be like, well, yeah, of course I would love to do this thing, but I just couldn't. He said he had already gotten into a bunch of trouble before with scripts because he was so visual in his directing that the network would come back to him time after time and be like, you have to have words, man. Like you have to do things. People are going to get bored if it's just all imagery. It's just all these things. So, it's sad that their their artistry is so limited. I don't want to sound pompous about it, but it's true. It's like you can't ever execute your vision the way in which you want to. Luckily, he had a lot of freedom because he was like the writer, creator, director, but he still Well, I think he also proved restricted. that it was wrong. That yeah. those ideas were wrong. Absolutely. And you're coming to age at a, TV, a time when TV was proving all that stuff wrong. So he was right there when TV was changing. And he's part of the change. That's Absolutely. why Buffy's yeah. still popular and famous because it was... It was doing things that the shows before, even the ones you mentioned. Like, yeah, people have done these types of shows, but not like this. It's a huge like risk. Yeah. And once they totally do, once they do a show where everybody goes blind and it's just a black screen, then come and talk to me. <laughs> then we'll talk. We've now entered the perspective of Buffy, who can no longer just see. talking, just from one person's. <laughs> I mean, we just hear one thing talking and just walking down the street. Why not? Just normal. Is that not way. what we're doing right now? That's true. That's. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. <laughs> and Joss Whedon would say to you, that's why he felt so bad about his directing and getting stale because sometimes he feels like TV is just radio with pictures. Like it's irrelevant that the the pictures are even there. It's just mm. because just people talking on a screen. True. Fair enough. Which I didn't really think about before either. So thanks for yeah. blowing our mind. Yeah, Sasha and really Joss Whedon. Nuts. <laughs> nuts. <laughs> See, you're naturally inclined to talk too much. Never. Then get with the kissing. I could talk about this episode forever, but it would be more fun to probably yell about it, I think. I, I don't know if you're up for it. Stacia, did you enjoy this episode of television? 
Wow, you didn't even ask us that. I didn't. I was mm. too freaked out and busy. Yeah, we yeah, were. You definitely wanted stressy. to get some things stre- put put out there. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like this episode of TV? Did, did I like this? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Let's, did you like this it's episode? Time, let's circle back. Let's pre- actually let's let's re-record this. Starting now, Stacia. Did you like this episode of television? Um, you know, if you had asked me at the beginning of this. <laughs> <laughs> This episode, I would have said, yeah, Hush is a great episode. And I've been silently reflecting on it, experiencing the episode in a meditative You've been trying to talk this whole time. State. But you weren't, yeah, you were in character. The, yeah. Your voice had been stolen. Yeah. And now it's been returned to you. Um, and I've come to the conclusion that this episode is like, maybe a little um, overblown. <laughs> yeah. It gets a lot more praise than maybe it should. So Elaborate. The gentlemen are cool. And they're probably... One of the best Buffy villains and also one of the scariest like Buffy moments. There's a couple of other that come to mind, but the gentlemen definitely rank up there. The music um, is great in this episode. But honestly, the silent thing is just like a gimmick that he did. And it's fun and it's interesting for this episode. But I don't know that it's impactful for our characters. Like he's like, oh, well, Buffy and... That was me, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Buffy and Riley kiss. Well, they would have anyways. It's not like we haven't had characters kiss. You didn't need the silent moment to make that happen. You just used it as the justification when it could have happened literally any time before now. Um, I guess just thinking about it, like the emotional stakes in this episode just aren't there. Like it's fun, but a lot of the jokes are just like misunderstandings because you can't talk. True. And I, I mean, like you said, this isn't the first episode of TV to be silent. And before we had movies that talked mm-hmm. we only had silent films yeah. like there's an entire genre of silent films that have done it and i would argue done it better than this in the sense of like telling a cohesive like emotional story whereas this is really you know it's fun and it's kind of lighthearted and it has the creepy moments but like at the end of the day nothing's really changed and if it wasn't the gentleman would this episode be as good as it is if it was I don't think so. if it was any other bad guy if it had been a snake lizard coming and eating people's hearts like that wouldn't have been as scary as the no. gentleman so yeah they don't speak but I don't know a lot of the demons they fight don't speak <laughs> it's more a verbal non-verbal he speaks volumes with his eyes. I like this episode. I think it's a fun episode. I think that the villain is particularly... I think one of your light bulbs just died. Sweet. Whoa. The gentlemen are coming. We come together. Daughters of Gaia. Sisters to the moon. We walk with the darkness. The wolf at our side. Through the waterfall of power to the blackest heart of eternity. I think we should have a bake sale. But at the same time, I don't know that Joss Whedon should be hailed for a genius for doing this episode silent. It's not the first time someone's done it. It's not the last time. And it's not the best time. Yeah. Nice. So I guess that's kind of how I I'm feeling about it. I think that's all valid. And I think Joss even kind of owned up to it. Not owned up to it, but m- made light of such in the commentary where he was like, I had an idea to do a silent episode. That was how it started. Right. And then everything kind of got filled in. And I think that that's what you were illustrating just then. It's like, okay, well, why, are, why is it silent? So I got to make a bad guy. Okay. Why are they here? Eh, it doesn't really matter. They're fairy tale monsters, mm-hmm. but okay, that's fine. Uh, okay. Well then how do we explain how to kill them? If nobody can talk? Oh, uh, we'll do a fun projector thing. That'll, that'll be a thing. So it was just, 
Which is writing, right? I mean, that's... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's taking idea. away the contrivances mm-hmm. that yeah. they normally have, mask them mask them with a great premise One thing that has parts. always bugged me with this episode, in which they gloss over because you can't, literally can't talk about it in the episode, is like, what is their motivation? Why are they taking seven hearts? That's Why true. did they come to Sunnydale? Why do they take your... Like, I guess they take the voices because if they hear a person scream the loop the, their heads will blow up but like for what why, why? Not a where are they going like i don't is this like a million dollars yeah, to where them? did they come like, from where do they go <laughs> cotton eye joe no <laughs> like to just leave it hanging there thank you <laughs> um kind of wish that could have been explained although i understand why they didn't and i think it was like a crutch for joss to be like they're creepy and don't think any more about it moving yeah. on and that's what they do and i usually pan them for doing this shit and I will not do that today. <laughs> Mainly because it is them. But then you also know that beer bad sucks, right? And then you watch that and you're like, well, this was fucking fine, right? <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things that we just fucking do this to ourselves. We yeah. just make them into bigger deals than they are. Well, we can still go back yeah. to entertainment value of nothing else, right? Like that's, yeah. this that's was why this was huge. Yeah. I was having a hard time being like, this isn't groundbreaking because I kept getting hung up on the silent part because right. that's not new it's not nothing to change and i don't think this is a groundbreaking episode of television and, and jane espenson said of this episode that it was it changed tv and i'm like i don't know that it did that i don't know that it was groundbreaking that way it was incredibly entertaining it was well done there was an unconfirmed statement from joss whedon that he was thinking of doing the musical episode now um, oh, wow. but Zena had just done their musical episode. So, oh, man. so like, he was like, fuck Zena. it, I'll do the silent one. Then I'm yeah. 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 So yeah. I guess, yeah. In the sense of like gimmick, like doing something for the sake of, of like attention. Or... It would feel more like a gimmick too, if you were to do it right after Zena, even if that oh, was sure. not the intention. So, yeah, I mean, most of the stuff is all just contrived. It makes no sense. And that's the thing. It's like a serial show, but it's a procedural at the same time. I think those kind of shows are the hardest to do because like if you're not telling a through story which would be the easiest way to do tv but it was not how they did it then they're trying to do both they're trying to have emotional payouts that that operate across a whole season but then also it's got to be monster of the week right so it's i get it it's hard to do you're not going to have organic characters show up over you know that's why you have your big bad that can be your constant Mm -hmm. but i don't know man i I, most of them are contract most of them are just made up bullshit oh yeah and you know, if you get hang up, hung up on that. that but it goes to show for me that that medicine goes down much easier with the spoonful oh, of sugar. Ew. That is like this comedy, this like regardless of its situational silly slackiness, like it just entertainment bang for your buck. It yeah. is just a really great 45 minutes television. Yeah. I have a friend who's coming to town and I'd like us to be alone. Oh, you mean an orgasm friend? Yes, that's exactly the most appalling thing you could have said. Yelling. Um, I love the prophetic dream that Buffy has, specifically the creepy girl singing the creepy song. She honestly might rival the gentleman in levels of creepy to me. That's what Jasmine said. Have a girl singing a spooky nursery rhyme. We never Horror see, gold. We never see her again. No. 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 I love it, though. She's so fun. I did like at the end with the... I mean, we sort of t- talked about it a little bit, but I really enjoyed when Riley broke the whatever. Just his little face thing. after. He's like, I did it! I know. And then I just love her miming the box. <laughs> <laughs> very funny. And that's right. She was holding the box. Yeah. The little girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's why they did the flashback to it for a second. Oh, did they? Yeah. Because oh, yeah. he forgot. Yeah. Because it wasn't very obvious. Yeah. I was. I, we've already kind of talked about Tara, but Tara. Oh my god, she's so adorable. Uh, student directoring Willow was so great. The the knocking, mm-hmm. like great horror stuff of like opening the door and it being the fucking heart or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the whatever. One of the gentlemen yeah. is there and it's not her door. 
But then they run into each other. That was a bit much. And then she hurt her leg. Yeah. And that I was know. crazy. But then, uh, yeah, when they were holding or at the end. I'm not. I, I don't have much in the way of power, really. I mean, most of my potions come out soup. Besides spells going awry, friends in danger. I'm definitely nothing special. No, you are. Oz who? Oz who? <laughs> how the how the turntables? Turn oh like my I, God. I'm. It's it's over. Like who who's Oz? I don't I try even to keep myself from going onto a tangent, and I'll save my mini tangent for a little bit later in this episode. But I yes. want to be objective about it, and I, I still love Oz. I really do, and that's kind of a joke. But like, but that's totally Tara's at, being adorable. Like, Oz who? Like I, I was like I was just even going on while we were in mm. Oz World. I was like, man, I really love Tara a lot, but this is they're she so can't cute. be as good as this. And then like, it'd be ah. like ah. <laughs> Oh, God. Harvo Parvo! On the chalkboard behind Mikey Walsh in the opening scene with the prophetic dream, there is a chalkboard that has is a there? bunch of, like, mental health conditions written on it. But at the very bottom of the left column, it says Harvo hyphen Parvo. And I looked up Harvo Parvo, and that's not a thing. Parvo is a disease that dogs can get, but I did stumble across a Reddit thread from the R. Buffy Reddit that said, oh. Harvo Parvo isn't a thing. I'm a licensed PhD. I don't know what this means. Don't look it up. Because they're like, you put your safe search on if you're going to look it up. It turns out it's nothing. It's not like a porn thing. It's nothing. It's literally nothing. So Harvo no Parvo. one, if somebody wrote in the comments to that on the Buffy thread that said, uh, Harvo Parvo translated into Ukrainian or something gives me, or it gives you anxiety. And I was like, does that mean that that's the translation of that in Ukrainian? <laughs> or, or that it gave you anxiety when you translated it? <laughs> the internet, what a wonderful place for miscommunication. Nevertheless, because of that thread, I ended up buying a $40 replica of the Buffy site. Stacia? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just throwing that on the thread. I got Harvo Parvo tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> Harvo Parvo. Oh, God. Um... I I like Anya in this episode, especially mm. when she calls Xander out for being a wuss. And she said, <laughs> uh, you make jokes about my pain. You don't care about me at all. And I love it. <laughs> it's the accurate. whole orgasm machine so or whatever. Accurate. And then just like Giles is just like, can you not do this here? Yeah. Why are we here? <laughs> and the gesture, the infamous other gesture of the episode oh. where Anya, you know, just the little finger in the hole situation Ew, uh, apparently shockingly the wb censors were not stoked on that scene and almost really let it into the episode <laughs> that's incredible you gotta do it the best. this isn't a relationship you don't need me all you care about is lots of orgasms how the turntables okay remember how we talked about private conversations how they're less private when they're in front of my friends oh we're not your friends go on please don't Buffy is drinking a 7-Up, and Willow is drinking a Virgin Cola. Right, yeah. I, I noticed that. I was like, because it looked like a Coca-Cola, but it said it clearly said Virgin on it, yeah, right? and it was a Virgin logo. Right, exactly. So I was wondering if, if it was like a campaign that Coke was doing partnered with Virgin or no, something? No, not at all. So in 1998, Branson launched Virgin Cola no himself. Shit. He advertised it by, by driving a tank through Times Square. That sounds right. What were the 1990s, people? 1999, a bottle of Virgin Cola uh, was sent to friends. He loved friends. So he he was putting it on TV shows. So he sent it to friends, and it's in the episode, the one with Joey's bag. You can see a Virgin Cola there. Um, He sent it to Alan McBeal. The character is holding it in the episode Love Unlimited. 
Uh, and then he sent it to, uh, I want to quote this, in season four, episode 10 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Hush. Ah! Willow is seen drinking a can of Virgin Colo in a scene with Buffy. The Hush! <laughs> the Hush. And for a second there, I, I've never really done a Wikipedia edit. And I was like, I'm going to edit this. Did you? No, I was like, how do I do it? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like oh, there's probably that Here stuff up on the top. See how it has this done. It's going to remain the hush forever. It's not That's even amazing. linked, bro. There's a there's a link to hush. Uh, the rest of the episodes got linked. Not this one. So. What the fuck? Uh, anyways, 2002, they actually did vanilla cola before uh, Coke. Huh. But Coke, they got there people it was basically like they locked him out of supermarkets and places so oh, they just wow. starved yeah i feel bad for poor richard branson and his do. fucking island and his rich bastard so but anyway so yeah coca-cola just and i think apparently it's still like around it's huh. still a thing maybe in the uk maybe in richard branson's backyard yeah no like you can't find it and they're like it's probably off brand because there's no records of who's actually making it anymore okay. so Wow, that's so funny. I'm glad that you said something because yeah. I really thought I was going nuts that it said that. I was like, that's the Virgin logo. I just think it's interesting that like automatically they were like, I'm going to drink the 7-Up, you get the Virgin Cola. Like, is Willow super deep in a Virgin Cola? Is well, she the, more of a cola really girl and not a, a lemon-lime girl? I, this scene stuck out to me just because of the sheer weirdness of it. They're like, let's both grab our drinks and open them and drink them on the bed. That's what I mean. So what? clearly they, they, I, they forced I wouldn't, that in there. I wouldn't doubt it that either it was sent or it was like... Um, you know, money. Here's some money. <laughs> fucking Virgin Cola. Got I'll pay your fucking One of the most cranes. iconic Buffy yeah. episodes of the whole Well, series. and it's so funny that it's all the 1990s, right? It's yeah. like everything in 99, they were clearly trying to like make a, make a name for themselves. And didn't Weird. Work, so. Interesting. Uh, oh, Giles and Olivia. No talking, just fucking. Statement? Mm. Whoa. Kara has really cool hair and she's way before her time. Uh, she does, and her outfit in this episode is probably better than every other episode, uh, outfit she gets on the show. I don't know why they hated her, but they really did wardrobe was. We know why they hated her, because oh, Joss isn't to, sexually attracted to, to her. Quote, to quote Joss Whedon, we wanted somebody less womanly, meaning with no curves, because I like my women bird-like and anemic. Fish gotta swim, birds gotta fly. Joss irritates me to no end. I hate that he made this show because he's just honestly like the most repulsive person. <laughs> In the same commentary where he says, I didn't want to hire Tara because she was too womanly and I was imagining someone slight and frail that's more like willow size, you know, like bird-like features. Um, and who was it? Marty Noxon had to be like, no, this woman is going to be perfect for Tara. And I finally changed my mind or whatever, I guess, but... Uh, in the same time that he's like, I didn't want to hire Tara because she was too fat. Yeah. He makes a crack about how Buffy was like, I had to make that joke about my wide uh. hips because it's such an actress thing to do. But anyways, it seems pretty funny on the screen. Huh? Yeah. You don't want to hire someone because they're too fat. And then at the same time, you're going to make fun of Sarah Michelle Gellar for worrying about her weight. Like you wouldn't have hired her if she was Tara sized. <laughs> I was just confused by the comment when he said less womanly because I didn't understand that he meant overweight right. by that comment That's which she's not in any way she yeah, she's not at all I was like did he want like a butch girl because that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> and I'm sorry Amber Benson I love you but you should have went that direction dude but no, they, no uh, he didn't <laughs> but meant skinny skinny and not that I need should be doing this at all but to give him a tiny 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 bit of the benefit of no. the doubt maybe maybe it's just because in his head because this person Willow's already supposed to be like meek and shy she's coming to her own I'm gonna I was gonna talk more about this in the, but anyway so willow's no longer the shy tiny person we we met before she's like she's sure confident she's got power she's doing her own thing so i think maybe physical size wise since tara is like bigger than her 
he, but supposed to be more shy and meek than even Willow is now. Maybe that's what it is. No, it's he just no, hates I don't like that. Women who aren't anorexic, I get it. Anyway, yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed um, all of the establishing shots, like of the town overhead and of of just standard shots of like um, buildings and homes that are blurry and out of focus and they look terrible. Oh, I didn't. Did you? Okay, so I think on standard definition t- TV, you're good. Mm-hmm. You're not really going to notice it. But if you're watching it in high def and like really watching it, especially like me, I'm watching it on my computer like right up close. It looks like shit. It looks fucking horrible. Oh, still frames of the establishing shots. Right. So there are some establishing shots that are that are good because Buffy was shot on film. So I, I found out there's a great uh, – I'll put it in the show notes. There's a great uh, channel on YouTube called Technology Connections. And they were doing uh, a video recently about why an old 1980s video from some band was able to be – shot put into 4k and like it's blowing Uh people's minds and he's like no if it's shot on film you're taking granular it's all up to the technology to read the grains you can make it as vivid and crazy as possible and you can keep fucking with it but because there was a huge shift from film to tape tape you cannot fuck with Mm. so there's jokes on tv shows that are shot on film but the moment you step outside especially in the 70s and 80s because the outside shots you can get yourself a a little portable camera when they take these establishing shots of these these places and i've noticed it throughout the whole series it must be either a photograph because there are those moments where you're like it's like a fucking photograph like that is like so it can only be blown up the way they can only be blown up and look terrible or it's something like this where they're going out and they're taking shots of like from the from the watchtower in this episode you see the shot of sunnydale and it's just this blurred mess Hmm. and if it was a real thing and not some weird photograph which again you can take a photograph and it can look beautiful just put it in and it's fine uh i think it's on tape so it's a really wow. interesting, like... Well, that makes total sense for why we have these beautiful HD copies of this. Exactly. Because basically just took the film and That's what I was saying. So yeah. I didn't realize that, so huh. that's why. And you can just keep wow. going. You can turn this into 4K, I'm sure, soon. This will all be... Amazing. Oh, well, not if Joss Whedon has anything to do about it. Well, I don't think it's up to him. So, yeah, and you can... And that's why you can go to 8K, 16K. Like, you can keep going as deep as possible. It's just you start running into that soap opera effect. Sure. And as long as you have TVs and stuff that can operate to counteract that... You'll be fine. But I mean, how much more realistic can you get? If you've seen a 4K TV, like, oh my God. I have not. I yeah. It's fucking crazy. Hmm. So anyways, uh, the only other thing I would say is that I just, because I'm now keeping a watch of this, how many times are we going to do the final, the final shot when we show Sunnydale campus is the same shot as the freshman. This is the final yes. shot. There is the protest yes. going on. <laughs> Welcome freshman. <laughs> yeah. This is right after we've resolved all of our problems, after the heads have exploded and we're going back to our real life. We cut to the shot of the freshman seminar. Yes. We have no other. Sh- That's what I'm saying. They got the film camera out this one fucking day. They're not doing two days. <laughs> they didn't think, let's take down the protest. No. So anyways, I just found that. That's amazing. I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah. And what a fun little delve into filming technology. Yeah, I had no That's idea. Nice. So it's cool. For being the creepiest villains in Buffy possibly ever, arguably ever, uh, my favorite moment of the gentleman is when they first, um, they're showing each other the hearts, basically. And I think it's Doug Jones' character. He, like, steeples his fingers. He's like, oh, stop. Yes. Stop. You guys, you flattered me because they're all doing the little clap. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And undermentioned part of the exposition scene is Anya decided to pop popcorn and bring a D. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Iconic. She just has no Xander never in the takes game. her anywhere. Okay? <laughs> this was is. a movie, basically. Yeah. For a forest writing come on, come on on his thing. 
it's just the Thanks, most buddy. unreal <laughs> thing. Like Mark uh, Riley is like. He's not even looking. No, not at all. That was just for us to be How there. is that helpful in know, any way? Just, oh, like, can you imagine? Right? So like, in love We're going to fucking die in this elevator. He's like, oh, let me. I'm sorry, Forrest. What did you have to say? Come on. come. Are you fucking kidding me, Forrest? <laughs> and they break up. That's that's what it, the relationship ended over. You know what? This is a really, didn't look back. This is a really pivotal moment, you know, because this happens before Buffy and Riley kiss. He probably saw that and was like, are you fucking kidding me? I thought you were a completely different person. I got to go. I need to go see a woman. But the end of it, the end of it was uh, Bitch Monster looking at them and being like, can't you read the sign? <laughs> yeah. And also, it's like super helpful. What? You're saying that anybody could just walk down the fucking stairs into this lair? Like, I'm taking yeah, the security. Yeah, what are the security precautions of the, of the stairs? Yeah. None? I Apparently get, none. Apparently none. Well, I mean, they do break in all the time. <laughs> I, I do like that. Apparently, obviously, in case of emergency, meant fire. Fire, right? But right. they were like, "Oh, well, obviously." Also, if I can't get my voice to go, an emergency where I can't talk. <laughs> so dumb. Oh, Giles drew Buffy with a bow and arrow. I can't think of a single yeah. scene in this entire series where Buffy is holding a bow and arrow. <laughs> Maybe that's his attempt at uh, a crossbow. <laughs> Uh, I'm also shocked that he didn't get Olivia in on the drawings. She seems like a real artist, and I think yeah. she would have definitely, helped you know, him. helped him out or even been there. Because again, what is she going to do at home when a crisis is happening? Like she this came is a here for crisis. a sex weekend. I know, it I has know. been upended by these creatures. I got nothing to do now. She's got a little bit of sex, but she could have put her art to use. I mean, she could have really been helpful. But no. she could have been helpful. I mean, she she did draw draw the one picture that she saw. So. That was helpful. Was it though? Yeah, I mean, wasn't that how he was able to research it anyway? Right? He found what they looked like? I don't fucking remember. I don't it's like think I didn't so. watch this episode seven times. I wish I could just come clean. Well, you can't. Yeah, I know I can't. Man, what a ride. Please reach out to us at Beat Me Pod everywhere Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. You can also find our website, beatme.wordpress.com, and that's going to have fun show notes if you're like, hey, you guys used a weird little song in here. I wonder what. Oh, I can't shazam it. It's only three seconds long. Boom. You guys mentioned Seven Angel, Seven Plagues. I I need to listen right now. And what better way to listen than going to Spotify and finding our playlist for the season. It's going to be fun time. Nope. Wow. Beat me. Hyphen. Fun time playlist for podcast fans. Season four. Whoa. And that's going to have all the music that's in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the television show that we are talking about, and this podcast, the thing that you're listening to right now. So subscribe. Incredible. Let's get an update on the watches from Daniel. Xander construction outfit watch no. No. Maroon jacket watch no. No. Not that I saw. No. Forces gay for Riley watch hell hell yeah. Because the, we're pretty. The burden we bear, brother. Yeah, that's right. It is. Uh, is his love uh, Thank God not his me. not his love not his job at the initiative? They're definitely talking about that. Um, I said he's being sassy. He said the first four hundred eighty six times you said special, it didn't register. But now, mm-hmm. now I believe. Would you, you stop talking about this girl? I am right. Here. Exactly. You're talking about me. <laughs> uh, Riley says that what Forrest is inclined to talk too much. So Forrest says, then then get to kissing. Get to the kissing. Meaning Buffy and Riley, but he definitely meant shut me up. Mm-hmm. Shut this guy up. <laughs> shut this guy up right now. Oh, my God. It's true. It's true. And also the come on, come on. That's also... Come on, come on. We get it, we get it, we get it. We got it, we got it, we got it. it. Uh, Future Chips Ahoy. Or no, just Chips Ahoy. (laughs) 
Can't change that now. Chips Ahoy watch. No. I mean, Spike is debilitated by it, but no. We don't talk about it. Um, De Hoffman watch. No. Uh, you should lock your door. Fuck yeah, Xander and, <laughs> and Anya just fucking walk Ooh, in. On that, sorry, real quick. We said thanks for knocking. Uh, yeah. We established that this is in fact some kind of apartment complex because there's a woman checking her mail as uh, Xander and Anya walk into the. Door. That's another shitty establishing shot. That's really gross and out of focus. Yeah, um, yeah. He even says thank you for knocking. Um, so that's, lock your doors, goddammit. Yeah, he can force people outside with his special ability of having a lock and a key. Mm. And uh, and even fucking Olivia knocks because she's a normal fucking person. Because <laughs> she's good and nice. Sandy watch, no. Still going to be a no forever. Michael Wicket, Amy Goth watch. Fuck yeah, bake sale. Set a candle dripping <laughs> on my woman power shrine. Guy a newsletter, a bunch of bullies. They're a bunch of girls with henna tattoos thinking that their sister's the dark one. Roast them. Amazing. Roast them. (laughs) Get them out of here. I love it. So, yeah, we get to be Tara. I mean, fuck yeah. Books a Million. Uh, Giles has uh, the Fairy Tales book, classic. Uh, Tara, when she falls, has the Magician's Companion book. Mm. We see the psychology book, of course. So, literally, just everything is boldly labeled with exactly what it is. No no titles or anything. What is this book? Oh, it's the Magician's (laughs) Companion. Okay, gotcha. No ambiguous artwork. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. I'm going to go to, to KO first. Uh, Olivia breaking up has got to hurt him. Yeah. But he, no KOs specifically for him. Huge question, though. So streets ahead. We do need to talk about the streets here. So we get comic relief when um, the fire hydrant's going off and, like, the world's gone to oh, shit, Oh, the guy right? running into the liquor store? Joss Whedon said on the thing, that was just a facade. So he had to hide behind the door. There was nothing behind the door. <laughs> Amazing. So we have Hank's liquor store hank jr's liquor store i don't really Uh-oh. hank liquor jr store that liquor store what did, i wrote it down hank's liquor store is next to the sport and tackle store there's a sport and tackle store um that is the sporting goods store I'm which assuming, is on yeah. devro remember my cop character the sporting goods store on devro right. so that was on devro and then next to that is the cinema so it goes cinema a sporting goods store then Hank's liquor store, and across the street from that, we've got the the this espresso place, pump, the, the espresso yeah. pump, and some electronic big box store. That's not a Best Buy. All right, so I think I think we've peeled back the veil of movie magic here. I'm curious for season seven because I feel like we do see it all at once, like intentionally. Well, then sometimes they do time. like the big like crane shots. That's what I'm so saying. Like, like, like I feel like we have seen it. All at once before, but maybe not. Yeah, but but you can't really tell because you don't get the the bird's eye view of this kind of stuff. And also, what this guy? What, why is he so sad? He's I just so don't get sad it. with his briefcase. I know. Anyways, that was uh. Well, what I can tell you about Streets Ahead is that the Wisteria Lane Universal Backlot Clock Tower thing will never be used again. Yes, I believe it. Okay, I'm pretty sure at least. Yeah. Man, that was an exciting class, huh? Oh, yeah. Wow. In the last 20 minutes, it was a revelation. Just laid out everything we need to know for the final. I'd hate to have missed that. Just tell me I didn't snort. Very discreet. Minimal drool. Oh, yay. I think it's time, unless anyone has any objections, to rank the sucker. Willow, something Wicca This Way Comes, slash, we talk about the net. There's no net, no computers, but there is certainly some goddamn magic in the air, and I'm not talking about moving that. Vending Whoa. machine. Hey oh. Yeah. She got a significant power up. <laughs> she has a significant, she's got the Terra power up. Yeah, I mean she I, but she was able to even like rumble it by herself. So that's yeah, so, impressive. I mean she even makes a joke 
earlier in the episode, like the biggest thing. I like to float more than a pencil, right? Yeah. And we have seen her because she's strictly speaking about her telekinetic abilities. I guess she was able to float those ingredients to try to um, oh, yeah. do the spell against Oz and Veruca, right? Fucking but crazy. yeah, oh, she almost moved that vending machine. But my thing is, okay, she couldn't move the vending machine; it just kind of rumbled. Right. Tara touched her hand, and then it flew across the oh. fucking room. So to me, that means that Tara is but way she's strong, so right? Mild. Yeah, I know. But anyway, yeah. Willow so knows gave, that. I gave it an eight. They were able to keep the gentleman from getting in the room, which saved them. So that's a big deal. But it, it was just telekinesis. Like, it was just one trick. You know, and they were in the laundry room where Oz and oh, Ruka were. Oh, my gosh. It's, just, it's all coming back. Giles. 10 out of 10. Olivia. He's knocking them boots. And then sad, sad things happen. I, I can't say Giles and knocking boots. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, the overhead projector scene. The hips discussed with Xander and Anya talking about the relationship in his house when he doesn't even want them there. Uh, we even get an establishing blurry shot of the Giles Mobile. Uh, oh, nice. We also get a shot of his desk and his big rubber ball band. Oh, man. That's and a his big ro- one. His ro- and the Rolodex is not even on a Rolodex. And his super old phone. Yeah. And that teetering lamp that, like, how many times have you hit that and, like, that's fallen to the floor? It's a... Uh, I had 10 of 10, of course. Absolutely. Of course. Just gets a 10. Uh, Riley... He was great in this Riley episode. Riley ruins everything. Still, still has not ruined anything. He just... Unbelievably. He had real thoughts and feelings and emotions in this episode. He's still bumbly tough. and charming and helps Buffy. Ugh. Like, he helps take down the We're bad guys. We're 10 episodes that's into this. he's just about to find out she's a superhero. I know. Oh. And that's when Starting he next episode, it's going to be bad. But right now, it gets a nine. Honeymoon's over. Monster of the Week. 10 out of 10. Friendship, goodness, or badness. Okay. Giles, Olivia. Adorable. They break up. That's a bummer. So that's going to bring this down a little bit. But we don't know that yet. I mean, yeah, that's true. We don't get confirmation of it, and we never do. Except <laughs> Why would for we? we've hardly met her. We'd it's never like, see her again, yeah. other than restless in a dream. So, I mean, I think his look said it all. I've been here before. Uh, this is what always happens. At least she didn't get murdered. Sorry, Jenny. This is where you get off. <laughs> Xander oh, and Anya no. start off rocky. Yeah, R.I.P. Jenny. Oh, Jenny. And also Joyce, a one-time paramour of Giles too. Let us not forget. She's not dead yet. Uh, <laughs> Zinder and Anya I think have established that they are now blooming girlfriend officially and we like each other and yes. care. Yay. And Yay. Buffy and Riley kiss. Yay. Yay. But the real thing that matters is obviously Willow and Terra meet. So I'm gonna try my best to not go off every and time they're like, in a scene together. Um because like I could he, like when Faith was on screen. Yes. Yes. But I will save most of it for New Moon Rising when she actually officially comes out to the group. I will do that. Because oh. that episode kind of sucks and that would be the only thing I'll really have to talk about. Um, I will say, though, that until the episode New Moon Rising, no one knew that they were going to be in a relationship. Not no one, but a lot of people that watched the show didn't write angry letters, angry homophobic letters until that episode specifically because they didn't see it coming. And I want to say that from the gate, you can tell. And even apparently because Tara or Amber Benson and Allison Hannigan didn't know that they were going to be a couple. And the writers didn't 100% know from this episode yet. They did it within like an episode or two. Sure. But uh, all the other cast I mean, was like, you guys have on. crazy chemistry. The way that you look at each other is intense. Yeah. I was like, yeah, they're gay. They're super gay. And it's immediate and it's apparent. And I don't know how anybody could not see it. 
Because look, hashtag gal pals. I, hashtag look, gal pals. I am not one to speak for heterosexual women, but I don't think ladies that are just friends look at each other like that or they've hold never, hands for extended periods. They've of time. never done that for Buffy and Willow. Yeah. I mean, they've never had yes. that exact scenario, yes. but they've never. I mean, it's not just them. They could have zero chemistry. It's all about the camera, the way the camera is positioning their chemistry to each other. That was back and forth of like them staring at each other. Mm-hmm. was like, okay, there's more to this than that. Because like Willow and the, like, there's probably more power between Buffy and Willow because they've known each other for a oh, sure. But there is no shot of them staring into one another's eyes. Yeah. And, like, and Joss would even said of the hand-holding, like, this is one of the most romantic fucking scenes we've ever shot. Oh, it's so it's good. Like, it's so good. Anyway. But he filmed this this commentary after the fact. This oh, would be yeah, well yeah, after. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he filmed So the- in hindsight, it becomes romantic. Right. But that's what's interesting about all this. It becomes bigger than what it was even at But the time. I feel like it's part of it's undeniable. Like, sure, in retrospect, yes, obviously that could be read no other way. But I feel like even without the retrospection, like, that look is a look that there's something there. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, 8 out of 10 because... She's an actress, though. Olivia know? and Giles break up. Wow. <laughs> but 8 out of 10, that's high. I, well, yeah, because Willow and Tara. I know, Again, I love it. This, the rankings are going to be fucked from here on out. Um, episode specific. I was going to put, again, powerful lesbian handholding, but can't even shout, can't even cry. The gentlemen are coming by. Which, just that that line by itself actually makes it sound super corny AF. 10 out of 10! Because <laughs> of 55 overall. Now, yeah. number one for the season will probably stay there right above something blue. Stacia? Nice. <laughs> I really struggled with where to rank this one. Because as this conversation's gone on, we've discovered that you I have hate mixed Hush. feelings Whoa. about Hush, <laughs> apparently. Um, so I was originally going to rank it at number five overall out of 66, but I've dropped it to 11 out of 66. Oh, my God. I could not possibly, if someone asked me, what are 11 episodes of Buffy better than Hush? <laughs> And we're not even through with the series. No. <laughs> Would you like me to tell you what 11 episodes I think are better than Hush? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, number one, Prophecy Girl. Okay. When She Was Bad. Passion. Passion. Becoming part one and then becoming, well, becoming part two and then becoming part one. Okay. Which is the end of season two. Right. Welcome to the Hellmouth, The Wish, Something Blue, Doppelgangland, Graduation Day, part one. Strong. Those are the Overall. 10 episodes better than Hush. Come at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you made a great case as to why there's definitely some... There are reasons why <laughs> this episode isn't the best episode of TV ever made. I get that. Uh, and I, I think, think that the episodes that are above it are all valid. None of them are like real yeah. funkers. I mean, I there's no dark be, age. It would be really hard to argue that Hush is better than Prophecy Girl or Passion. I think for anyone. Oh, they're way, way above. Way above. So. Prophecy Girl of Passion? Well, uh, yeah. I don't, I'll find Prophecy Girl. Disagree. But you think Hush is better than yes. Passion? Yeah. Yeah, I do. For really? entertainment value. That's the thing that I'm having to go on. It's really just like, mm-hmm. I would, I, if I'm thinking of, if someone's never watched Buffy before, I'm not popping in Passion. I think if you're ranking them just from like perspective of, Influence on the show, like lasting impact, like uh, where our characters are, all that kind of thing. You're probably ranking them in a much better, accurate way. Uh, So I'm ranking this one at number seven overall. One above the Zeppo. Oh, no. 
Uh, one above the Seppo. <laughs> one above the Seppo is number eight. Uh, Passion is number 18 overall. See? And Prophecy Girl is number 33 overall. Oh, yep. you guys are wrong. And, uh, yeah, and then Band Candy is the next one down at 12. So the Doppelganger deer shot, we've all becoming part two. I mean, after We're having this there. conversation, maybe I'm wrong. And I'm just becoming. That's right. I'm all of it. I get to do all of it. So becoming itself was number 20. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we could go back and change our rankings, I'd probably move becoming part one down further. Mm. But I can't. Yeah, as I get as we get done with this whole project, I'm gonna be mad about all of this. So it's gonna be. I won't. I'm right every time. Yeah, we're doing That's the good. we're doing it the hard way. Mm-hmm. Yours is easier because mm-hmm. you can just at the, the end and be like, oh yeah, this is great. <laughs> it all just makes sense. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. But yeah, hush is like I don't want to be too because I'm with you. It's like once you just start poking holes, fuck the holes are pokeable. And you know what? Probably all <laughs> probably all the good. That's episodes what Anya are, would say. Right the holes are pokeable. Holes are pokeable. All the you know, it's like Restless Two is probably not as good as I remember, and The Gift is probably not as good as I remember, and they're probably just flimsy fucking episodes of TV that are instantly you pull two legs and the whole thing falls in. It's the same thing with Hush. It's like and the Zeppo too. Like I mean, you did a great job of like showcasing those things, but I don't know. It's just like on some level, it's like you set out to do it. You did the thing. You did as best you could. You stayed true to at least the characters. And just Joss doing it was a strength for this, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the Zeppo was not him. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of randos doing the Zeppo, yeah. which is surprising. That Well, I think you either need the total insider or the total outsider. And I think those are going to give you the best, the best episodes. And if you're not trying to pay off emotional character beats, then you're going to be better. Better for it. Like, Beer Bat didn't have to do a whole lot of lifting. But it was fun. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to mm-hmm. go too far. But it kept our, our story going. So anyways, hush. Great episode. Loved it. I loved watching 20 minutes where I was like, I don't have to fucking grab any quotes. I had nothing to do. <laughs> it was so fun. I just had this huge gap in between my my editing bit. I was like, oh, that's like 30 minutes. Nice. I think I have like five quotes from the whole thing. Nice. It's fucking great. I mean, maybe this episode is going to be very strange. No, it's great. It's quiet and empty. Yeah. Um, that's it for hush. Unless you have anything else to say for yourself, Stacia? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next time with a season four, episode 11, Doomed. So, definitely is going to be better than this episode for sure. Something to look forward to. Anyway, see you next time. Bye. I've got Xander in a hat. Is that a thing? Wait to set the. Oh, yeah. It says like pizza delivery. Oh, I thought it said construction work. What is Doomed about? What's Doomed about? Is that just when she goes down to the initiative and they're like, we didn't know this lair was real. By the way, we take a bunch of drugs. That's the Iron (laughs) team. Doomed is uh, the apocalypse cult um, are trying to open the Hellmouth. Brother, should I trust the government? So would you say this was um, your best visit ever? All the time you used to talk to me about witchcraft and darkness and the like, I just thought you were being pretentious. Oh, I was. I was also right. So everything you told me was true? Well, no, um, I wasn't actually one of the original members of Pink Floyd, but... By the monster stuff, yes. Is it just scary? Too scary? I don't know. Hush now, baby, baby, don't you cry. Mama's gonna make all of your nightmares come true. Hush now, baby, baby, don't you cry.
Mama's gonna put all of her fears into you Mama's gonna keep you right here under her wing She won't let you fly, but she might let you sing Mama's gonna keep baby cozy and warm Baby, ooh, 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 ba